Good morning, everybody. I hope we're all enjoying this Marriage Covenant resource. We're up to part 27, and we've covered off quite a number of topics in this whole area of a covenant between God and his people, and then his people and his people, or between a husband and a spouse. And we've been looking lately at the practical aspects of a marriage covenant with the different elements that's required. And in part 27, I want to look at parenting. If we are considering being a parent, this is an area of extreme importance. And God talks about raising up children in the way of God. So we need to know what that is. But we need to be on the same page as husband and wife. We can't be parenting from two different handbooks. It's essential that we're on the same page and that we are consistent with that. And so parenting can be the most joyful, wonderful experience, while at the same time, it can be the most testing and challenging aspect of any relationship. And I'm sure if you are a parent, you'd agree you can have all of those four elements happening at the same time. Being a parent is not easy and it requires learning. It requires uh, growing and it requires maturity. And it really does require knowing who the father is because ideally we want to parent as the father is parenting us. There are so many different things that could be said around parenting um, for this resource. But as I've said, I want us to focus on being on the same page if we're not on the same page at our first base position, then we're going to be in trouble. And uh, we're going to look at some of the reasons why we're going to be in trouble, because children are very clever and they will work uh, their will against yours and against one another's. So whether uh, your children have come from natural conception or whether you have uh, <coughs> adopted your children, it's essential that as a couple that you come to an agreed method or way in which we're going to parent our children. Now, for many of, many of us as parents, we will parent the way we have been parented because this is the model that we've been brought up and under. Now, it's not the golden rule or it's not the golden standard because some of us may have not have been parented in a way that we really want to parent. Um, but as a whole, we can see that fulfill itself as well, because that has been the model. And so uh, the greatest challenge for us in raising up kids is that we raise them up in a way that's healthy, that has some clear boundaries uh, and has life to it. And as I've said, it can be the greatest challenge in raising up um, and coming to a mutual agreement and putting a mutual understanding in place before the process begins. So we know we are operating from the same page straight away when we have children. Now, if we haven't done this and we have kids, can I really encourage you to do this, to get together and come up with a, a set of boundaries and guidelines in which you're going to parent from? Finding common ground can be the greatest test and the greatest challenge. But it is important that we have clear and precise communication and clear guidelines and expectations that are adhered to as to how we're going to parent our children.
consistency and making sure these agreed guidelines are put in place is the key to great parenting and helping your children thrive within the boundaries that the parents have set. Now, I'm not saying your children are going to like or love the boundaries, but children need boundaries. God has given us clear boundaries or conclusions as his children that he wishes and desires to father us into. So children and teenagers near clear boundaries for them to thrive. And it's important that we communicate clearly, making sure that our children or our teenagers understand these boundaries and the consequences for going beyond the boundary. All of this is to be done from love, where the primary care and focus is the child's heart and the child's well-being, secondly, their behavior. It's always important as a parent that you address the heart first, not the behavior, the concern. Look for the why the child has done what the child has done, rather than address the behavior. The child needs to know through the act of discipline that they are loved and you're not just addressing their behavior. And I say things like you have to inspect what you expect. And so your yes must be yes and your no be no. We might look at that a bit later on. Children, no matter what their age, and I found this in my own children, they'll look for cracks in our armor. They'll look for the cracks in your and my armor to exploit these cracks at the earliest opportunity. So being true and consistent to what you've established is a must. And this is why your yes must be yes and your no must be no. It can't be wavering. It can't be yes and no because they will look to play you off against one another as a couple. They are crafty little people. Um, <clears throat> and so it's essential because they're going to try to do that, that as parents we have a clear path and a clear process of how we're going to parent as opposed to just making it up on the spot. We will be found out if that's the case. Now, there are different parenting styles or approaches, just like there are different leadership styles or approaches. And they are all correct styles when used in conjunction with the age and the maturity of the child. And we're going to look at three styles which can be used intersynced and interlinked. While at the same time, when the child is at a particular age, you'll probably use more of one style more than the other and then look to transition out of one style into another as the child starts to grow up and becomes more mature. And you can give more responsibility too. So these three styles predominantly are autocratic, democratic, and laissez-faire. Let me say that again. Autocratic, democratic, and laissez-faire. Each style is to be empowered and informed by the love of heaven. So what is the autocratic position of parenting? This position is very useful and applicable roughly between the ages, and I say roughly, of 1 to 12 years old. It is where the parent is leading, making the big decisions, and giving a small amount of input to the child in the decision-making process. There's no negotiation with the child in this phase. You're not 
as a parent going to negotiate with a five-year-old and an eight-year-old and what they want. Otherwise, the child will start parenting you. And so the child is very much being led by the parent into what the parent deems as best and most suitable for their child. As I've said, there's, there's pretty much no negotiation going on with this position of parenting. And the choices which are given are still determined by the parent. Let me give you an example. So when it comes to eating dinner, right, the question you would ask is, would you prefer broccoli or carrots for your vegetable in tonight's meal? So there is a choice of one or two options, but the parent is leading the options. It's not like, what would you like for dinner tonight? And the child says, ice cream, and you go, oh, okay, I'll give you ice cream. So you are determining as the parent what the child will eat, but there is a choice, a small choice within that as to what they're going to eat, because this is an autocratic style of parenting, where you are taking into account the child's maturity and their inability to make wise choices. Most children, if you let them, would grow up on ice cream, lollies, and sugar. And that would be manic and is manic for any household as it is. The second is the democratic position of parenting. <coughs> Excuse me. This position is very useful and applicable in parenting teenagers. The parent is still the parent and leading the way, but the young person starts to have more input into different things and in the decision-making process while, let me say this, while still being firmly placed under the parent's watchful guidance. This is where there becomes a great opportunity for trust to be earned through the freedom that is being given by the parents. But this freedom is to be an incremental measures which the parent believes the child can handle. Right? Too much freedom can cause the child to abuse the freedom and in turn hurting themselves and others. Now, as we know, and I know this as a child growing up and also as a parent, that we think we can handle more than we actually can, and we think we know more than what we actually do. So as a parent, we are to be aware of that and guide that. So we're looking to build trust. To build trust, you must give the opportunity for freedom and responsibility, but not too much so the child doesn't hang themselves with it and hurt themselves and others. Once again, this position has clear boundaries which have to be established, which the young person understands and they know they are to operate in and under. And there are consequences if they don't, and those consequences must be fulfilled and lived out. As the teenager comes into their later teen years, there is much more freedom given because hopefully trust has been built. But once again, again, still under the watchful eye of the parents. There is much need for responsibility and accountability in this leadership position. And it is still ultimately the parent's responsibility to hold the young person accountable to the culture of the home which the parents live out and set. Now, the third position is the lay severe position of parenting. This position has the highmost trust, 
where the teenager is now a young adult making decisions and creating their own pathway of life. This is more about a young adult seeking the counsel and the wisdom of their parent while being free to start making their own choices. This is really no longer about being under the parent's leadership and guidance, but coming beside the parent and the parent beside the child. And it's for uh, more of a friendship uh, relationship of parenting, which is now taking place. So ultimately, the child is mature enough to start making their own decisions and be held fully accountable to those decisions. The father and mother transition from the parent position to more of a friend position, all the while remaining and being the child's parent. All these positions are to be applied, as I've said, in the most appropriate manner to the age and the maturity of the child. If you were to apply the lay Sophia position to a young child and even a young teenager, it would be chaotic and life is chaotic and really the child starts parenting the adult. And unfortunately, there is a lot of that going on because as parents, we want to be our child's friend, but we're their parent. And I can remember years ago saying to my own daughter that I am your father, not your friend. My hope is in time, right? I have this friendship parenting with my children, but in the appropriate time. Everything must be done in its appropriate time, and we see this scripturally. So some questions to grapple with. What have been some of the greatest challenges you have faced when it comes to parenting? What kind of parenting position do you mainly relate to, and did you experience growing up? How has this position influenced and affected the way you are parenting now? Why is giving clear boundaries and expectations of what you expect as a parent so important to children and young people? And why is it essential you follow through on what you say as a parent? I hope this really helps. I hope all these resources are really helping you in this area of a marriage covenant. We'll see you soon.